Amen. So we are grateful to the Lord to be back in the house of the Lord this week. God has been good um, to all of us, as I know we have just had a tremendous time uh, this past week. We had a tremendous time this week as we were off on spring break, and I'm sure there are several other people who are still off on spring break, which is fine. Um, we needed that time to relax and rejuvenate, so um, we're just grateful for that, grateful that the Lord gave us um, grace to travel back. So as you know, we have been talking over the past um, month or so about First Samuel and some of the things that are happening there, and we're going to continue our discussion today in First Samuel. We're going to look at the voice of God, the voice of God, and I do expect this to be one of those those sermons that um, they're going to have some things that are going to pique some interest, some ears, some people. So I do want to remind you uh, of Bible study tomorrow at seven just in case, so we'll do a follow-up. We'll kind of flesh out this discussion even more, but there are going to be things, I'm sure, um, that we hear, that we, that we talk about, that we discuss, that are going to be significant for us. So we're going to jump right into our text, and um, we're going to expound from it and see what the voice of God is. Does God speak to us today? What does it mean to be able to hear the voice of God? So Go with me if you will. We're going right to 1 Samuel. We're starting in chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. It reads, it says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim, so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end, 
and I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever. For the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything, and he hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again to Shiloh, at Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, first of all, we thank you for the word. God, we thank you for the word that's going to go forth. Lord, we know, trust, and believe that you speak so clearly to us through the word, through your written word. And our prayer, God, is that we will clearly hear your voice as you speak through scripture. God, help us understand today what the voice of the Lord is and how we can comprehend what you have spoken. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so we only have one point in today's sermon because I'm going to have to continue this next week because it's a pretty expansive text. But the first point, the only point, is that God rarely spoke. God rarely spoke. Now, sometimes when we read the Old Testament text, when we read these passages, there are things that are stated that are kind of hard for us to understand. In fact, you know, as a general rule, if you do hermeneutics, which is if you interpret the Bible, one of the things they tell you is the simpler a text appears to be, usually the more complicated it actually is. And so sometimes it is almost always guaranteed that the text you're reading, if it appears simple, it is a guarantee that it's actually more difficult than what you actually think it is. So you're always reading with an especially cautious eye to make sure you're not misinterpreting something that the scripture is saying. So as the first point states, and as we see in the beginning of our text, there is something significant being stated here, and it's this. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. What in the world does that mean? At first glance, just looking at it, it seems obviously, but surely it's not that black and white, is it? It can't be. Well, it is. There is a chance that the writer who is unknown to us is actually a prophet himself. He is probably even a Jewish historian. So he may have had an inside track on exactly what's happening here. And this is important for us to understand. We don't need to miss this. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. And it says that there was no frequent vision. We are coming off a time 
where God had spoken directly and divinely through one person, and that had been Moses, his faithful servant and prophet. We saw that last week as we read when Moses prophesied of Jesus, saying that God was going to raise up a prophet like him. We saw after Moses that he even raised up Joshua to follow in his footsteps. So it begs us to ask this question, well, what is the role of the prophet? Well, primarily when we look in the Old Testament, the prophet communicates the words of God to the people. This is what Moses did. He spoke on God's behalf to the people because God spoke directly to him. Now, we have to understand this in the context so we can understand what that means for us today. Why is God speaking so much in the Old Testament? Well, that's because there's no canon of Scripture. What does that mean when I say there's no canon of Scripture? There are no 66 books that have been written out to tell us all the things that God has done and how Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that God was doing in the Old Testament. We don't have that knowledge here. And so the way that God communicates his voice is that he speaks directly to his people through his prophets. But you see, there's a problem. If you remember, there is a problem in Israel specifically, and it is that we have pointed out that this is the crucial recurring theme here, and it is that during that time where judges ruled and Eli was priest, they all did what they thought was right in their own eyes. It was like today. There were no absolute truths. There was no God is right, sin is wrong. There was, if I feel that it's right, it is right in my eyes. It doesn't matter if it's wrong in the eyes of God. So this also means that at that same time, even those whom God would raise up were actually choosing their will over the will of God. There was no one who God was speaking through because the people had gotten so out of touch with him that, as you remember, even Eli the priest could not discern from a woman grieving and drunkenness. So these people are walking walking around with no guidance, no direction from the Lord because they don't even know him. Now, why does no one know him? Because they were all living and living to and for themselves. Yeah, God rarely spoke during this time, but you also have to realize that that's because the people also rarely listened. Now, some of us may think, okay, well, God never spoke, but does he still speak to us today? That is the, the penultimate question here. After all, Brandon personally has never heard the audible voice of God. Maybe a strong unction of the Spirit, but I've never heard God audibly speak. Have we seen something similar to this in the Bible before, though? Of course. Like we did last week, we should look back at Moses. Israel had been in captivity, and from what we see, there is not a leader, there is not a prophet among them. Their captivity was undoubtedly the result of their great sin, and God does then as he does here. In the midst of the moral breakdown, he appoints for himself a spokesman. 
He appears to Moses in the burning bush and he tells him that he will use him to lead his people out of Egyptian captivity. Now, how do we know that this was just as well rare in the time of Moses as it is in the time of Samuel? Look at what Moses says in Exodus chapter 4 and 1. He says, Then Moses answered, Behold, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. Perhaps God so rarely spoke that Moses knew that if he told people that God had appeared to him, that they wouldn't believe him either. Even more say, more so, he says that not only will they not believe me, but when I speak, they will know you haven't sent me because I'm not eloquent in speech. In fact, my speech is slow. It is halting. It is stuttering. But then God responds. But if you speak, it will be me that speaks through you. Why is this so important? Because if Samuel is saying that he is called of God, then I have to actually know how God spoke in these days. He tells Moses that he will be with him and that signs and wonders will follow his ministry. The reason I want to stress this is because since Jesus, there have been millions of people through the centuries who have all claimed that God has spoken directly to them. And they've all made these claims since the canon of Scripture has been closed and the last apostle died. As believers, we must be able to distinguish between the voice of God against the voice of man. So what is the mark of God's speech when he has spoken? Well, we've learned that he doesn't pick qualified people. In other words, God doesn't pick the people we would have picked. He doesn't think, oh, this person has a great face or a strong speaking voice or good leadership skills. No. In fact, those are probably things that will disqualify you from the service of God. No, he picks the people he knows are deficient, and he qualifies them. Moses wasn't just a stutterer, but he wasn't even fully accepting of the fact that he was an Israelite to begin with. All of his life, he had most likely identified with Egyptian culture because he is raised as an Egyptian. Except he does do this one thing, which he premeditates a murder, and he kills an Egyptian for abusing an Israelite. But you see, all of that sin, all of that filthiness, all of that dirtiness is actually what makes him the perfect spokesperson for God. A man so fragile and broken that any good that would come from him would obviously have to be the work of God. Now, why does God call whom he calls? Well, Romans tells us in Romans 9 and 10. It says, and not only so, but when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I've loved, but Esau I hated. 
we learn that when God has spoken to people and chosen them, he has never done so based on their worthiness, but rather he does it based on his purpose of election. He calls whom he wills. God calls Samuel, and it says that Samuel didn't even know the Lord. God does not call any one of us based on our worthiness. And honestly, you better be grateful that he doesn't call you because of your worthiness. Why is this important, though? Because there are two other major religions that are created because of the claim that God spoke directly to them. And those are Islam and Mormonism. They both claim, just as God spoke to Abraham, Moses, and Samuel, that he had also spoken to them and had given them instructions for their own new religion. So how do we know that God had indeed spoken to them? How do we know that when someone comes up to us and says that they've heard the voice of God, that they actually have or haven't? Well, we have to go to Scripture. Who does God speak through? When does God speak? How does he speak? And does he even speak today? Well, what does the Word say? There are two things, two references. One is in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy, it says, If there is a sayer or a prophet that comes to you and what they say comes true, don't just accept it at face value, but you need to see if that prophecy that came true was for you to pursue God or pursue idols. So it's not even saying that they couldn't come and present the truth. Somebody could absolutely predict something that would happen and still be sent of Satan. But then what does the word tell us in Hebrews? It says long ago, I've quoted this all the time, and many times and in many ways, God has spoken, spoken to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Does God speak? Well, according to Hebrews, he has spoken. Before he spoke, he spoke by his prophets. Then he spoke through his apostles. And finally, he spoke concretely through and by his son, Jesus Christ. And once that final revelation was given to John, God closed the canon of Scripture and he sealed the words that he has spoken to us for all of eternity. So the way that Muhammad or Joseph Smith claimed that God has spoken to them is false. God is not revealing anything new about himself. We currently have as much as we need to know about God, and the rest will be revealed in eternity. Now, is there a difference between God speaking and being led by the Spirit? Well, I think that it's a good thing that we need to discern. 
I was recently talking to a very mature Christian who goes to a very solid church at the Church of Brook Hills, and she was sharing her testimony, and it is a remarkable one, by the way. It's this little, like, white lady who became a drug queen pen in Birmingham, and she was peddling heroin. Now, if you look at her, you would think there is no way in the world, but she was. She had a very lucrative and high inclines that stretched as far as the most prominent doctors in Birmingham. And she mentioned to me that, you know, her family had always gone to church and they had gotten divorced. So she had heard the gospel. She knew what the gospel was, but it had no impact on her life. Well, she got caught. And she mentioned that while she was in her holding cell, awaiting her sentencing, that she remembered the gospel and she pleaded with the Lord to save her in her prison cell. And in that time, while she was awaiting her sentencing, she had actually gone to court three times and was sent home each time until finally the judge told her that every night he prays over every single one of his case files. And every time he came to her case, he could feel the Lord telling him, that she deserved a second chance. Now, to put it in context, she was facing a minimum of 25 years in prison. Minimum. And he said that every time he kept hearing that she needed a second chance. And so she was given a two-year suspended sentence that she served at home. And he told her that if this was truly the Lord, then I will never see you here again. But if it wasn't, you'll be back. She never went back. Since we have been saved and God has given us his spirit, we must be led by his spirit. Look at what Romans 8 and 26 says. It says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This goes back to what we learned last week. Knowing that Jesus is our true high priest, we know that he has been established as our permanent go-between, as our permanent mediator between us and God. But we have also been given his spirit, and his spirit intercedes for us and on our behalf. He intercedes for us because he knows the will of God. The Bible tells us that those of us who are led by his spirit are his children. Paul says that we should be actively filled with the spirit. We should be filling ourselves with the spirit. 
When we do all of these things and when we align our lives with the word of God, that is how we know the voice of God. But let me make this clear to you. He has encased his voice in his word. So what makes us so different than the prophets or the apostles? Why has God not spoken like that since? Because they didn't have the direct voice of God written down. When Samuel gets spoken to, he is in a generation of people who didn't know the Lord, and he is serving under a priest who was not acknowledging the Lord. There were no written references to who God was or what God did. So he speaks and he established to the people who he was. And that was written down for us and our learning today. I'll never forget when we were having a Bible study and Ms. Lampton shared this story about this particular time when she really wanted to commit a certain sin. And she got as far up to the steps of this place that she was going to sin in the way that she was going to. And all she could hear was a particular scripture being repeated in her heart, played out over and over again so much that she couldn't shake it, and she turned around and she left. I want to make this as clear as I possibly can. The word of God is the voice of God. The word of God is the voice of God. And if you want to hear God speak, you must read his word. The Bible says that we should hide his word in our hearts so that we will not sin against it. The reason people are not hearing the Lord speak is not because they're not meditating long enough, because they're not praying long enough. It's because they're not opening the word and reading his voice out loud. If you want to know the voice of God, you must read the word. If you want to hear the the voice of God, read it aloud. What that means is that when I am hiding the voice of God in my heart, it is etched in my heart, in my spirit for all of eternity. And that means I don't have to wait around for God to say something because he's already said something. In the time of Eli and Samuel, the voice of God was inaccessible unless God spoke directly. Now, anytime we want to hear God speak, all we have to do is open his word. That's it. If I am a believer and am submitting myself to the Spirit, then He is directing me. He is leading me. And let me be clear. If I want to make a decision about a job, I don't need to cross my legs, sit Indian style, and hold my fingers together and wait for God to speak. I don't have to do that. But I can be led by what most glorifies Him. That is always the voice of God. If I want to figure out, okay, who's the person I should marry, then all I have to do is figure out, does this actually glorify the God that I've read about and learned about in Scripture? 
What am I saying? We, as believers, should never be in the position where we are questioning whether or not we know what God desires for us as Samuel did. And to be honest and to be frank, you don't even have to wait for Sunday to figure out what is God saying pertaining to my life. Because I may preach a message that is totally irrelevant to what you're dealing with in your life. If you want to know what God is saying about your life, read what God has said about who he is. How he reveals himself to us in Scripture. Of course, we know that the main reason Samuel was unable to discern the voice of God is because at that time, he didn't know God. So he couldn't even recognize his voice. But as I close, we are reminded of something in Scripture. We know that Jesus is our great prophet. We know that he is our priest. We know that he is our king. But he is also our great shepherd. We are sheep. Dumb, foolish, constantly led by false shepherds. But the Bible makes it clear. He is our true shepherd, and we who are his sheep know his voice. And you know what the Bible says about us who know his voice? Another shepherd, we won't follow. Why are we not going to follow another shepherd? Because we know the voice of God. How do we know the voice of God? Because we know the word of God. And if we know the word of God, then we know what God has said about us and about this world for all of eternity. And we don't have to seek his voice out. We don't have to question what his voice sounds like because we know that he has spoken in his word. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the way that you have spoken to us in Scripture. God, we know that you have revealed yourself to us through your word. God, we know that there is no other means, there is nor the way we should seek out the pattern of our life. God, we don't have to wait for you to audibly speak. You have spoken. You have told us that you have spoken in many ways. And in those many ways, you have spoken through your prophet. You have spoken through the apostles. But in these last days, you have spoken through Jesus. When you spoke through Jesus, God, you closed the canon of Scripture. There is nothing else that can be said that has not already been stated. There are no new revelations coming. Everything about you has been established. So, God, if we want to hear you speak, we must read what you have spoken. If we want to know your heart, we must open up the Bible and we must learn 
who you are. God, there may be some of us who when we hear the word of God, when we hear the gospel, it sounds like a foreign voice. We're like Samuel questioning, who is this? What is this saying? God, the only reason we will not understand is because we don't understand who you are. If there's anybody in this room, anybody watching who does not understand the scripture and what you have spoken, that's because they don't know you. God, our prayer is that this would be the day that you reveal who you are. That you will open the eyes of the blind, that you will enlighten the hearts of those whose hearts have been darkened. And that you will reveal the truth of who you are. And God, for those of us who do know you, God, our prayer is that you will continue to direct us in the word. That you will lead us in the word. That we will know if we want to know who you are, if we want to know where to go in life. If we find ourselves in the wilderness, God, and we don't know what direction we're headed, that we have your voice encased for all of eternity in Scripture. But more importantly, God, that that same word that has been encased in Scripture is entombed in our hearts. And that we don't have to seek you out but you are right there at our disposal, God. You are completely accessible. Help us pursue you. Help us seek you diligently. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.